Bring it in, read option pod back with uh, what will probably be the shortest episode uh, we ever have. I tried to uh, get a couple different guests to hop on the pod with me with Scotty and Vito doing their European travels, and I came up short. Uh, busy week over here, so we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire game preview for week three in the NFL. Uh, as well as some college football. It's a fantastic week of games, week four in college football. Uh, there's top 25 matchups all over the place. Um, so definitely excited to, to break down a few of those matchups. I uh, got Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson, even though Clemson's not in the top 25. Uh, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Colorado, Oregon is obviously one of the big ones getting attention. UCLA, Utah, and the game I'm probably most excited to see just because I, I'm fascinated to see what could possibly happen here. Ole Miss, Alabama. Uh, Ole Miss has looked really good through three weeks. Alabama obviously has that loss to Texas, but almost loses to South Florida last weekend. There's some question marks in, in Tuscaloosa right now. So uh, we're going to hop in and do some college football picks at the end of this, but we're going to do some rapid fire picks here. Uh, I'm going to give my picks out, my locks. Uh, Scotty and Vito will hopefully have their picks submitted here uh, as well. But um, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll keep. We'll keep rolling on the pod here. And you know, we. I hate not having the boys with me, but you know, sometimes you gotta. You gotta figure it out. And next week, um, our schedule is going to be a little bit different. I'm flying out to Colorado on Wednesday for a trip, um, so we will record Monday night. To recap the weekend, or I will at least record Monday night to uh, recap the weekend, and we'll probably have to put out an early one on uh, a pre-recorded early one to get the picks out there. Um, so if we don't have the latest information, all that might be a little bit off. But all that being said, let's hop in week three NFL. I wouldn't call it the best slate we've ever seen. Um, it's that dumb setup that the NFL does a couple times a year where they'll have nine games in the one o'clock window and then three in the late afternoon. And the late afternoon games uh, are less than stellar, I'll put it that way. Um, but nonetheless, it's still football. And uh, and it's it's always this way in football, college and the NFL, the weeks where you're like, yeah, there's not really any fun matchups. You know, some something chaotic is going to happen because that's that's what the NFL does. That's why it's the king. So we're going to start off here. Uh, Thursday night football, we have the uh, Niners and Giants. Uh, that game will be kicking off here in just a little bit uh, from the time I'm recording this now. And I'm going to take the Niners. All right, I'm going to take the Niners minus uh, 10.5, it looks like right now. No Saquon for the Giants. He's out for three weeks. No Andrew Thomas, uh, all-pro left tackle for the Giants. He's out in this game. I think it's going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of edge rush. Uh, just a, a, It's going to be an ass whooping. Um, I'm excited to see what Brock Purdy looks like. Uh, to me, this is kind of a good test for him. You're on primetime. It's Thursday night. You know, he really still hasn't been super tested yet this season, uh, or really since becoming a starter. I just want to see him play a really good team. And next week, I believe, after I think they're going to handle the Giants, 
The following week, they play the Cardinals, but then the Niners play the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, and that will be Brock Purdy's first big test, right? We need to see him in a game where the ball's in his hand. It's a two-minute drive. I know he's got all those weapons. Um, Brandon Ayuk looks to be out of this game. That doesn't – I mean, even without Brandon Ayuk, it's still Juwan Jennings and – you know, Debo and Christian McCaffrey and Kittle and a lot Eli Mitchell. And, and they're just, it's an embarrassment of riches on that team. Um, so yeah, I expect the, uh, the Niners to, to, to run through on that one pretty easily. All right. Uh, Sunday games. First up, we're just going with the normal, the way ESPN has it laid out. Uh, one o'clock games. First up, we have the Colts at the Ravens. Unsure right now, whether Anthony Richardson is going to play, um, I think if I'm, if I'm looking at this game with Anthony Richardson, I actually kind of like the Colts plus eight. And I know, like, I know how good that they, that this, uh, this team looked with Anthony Richardson in. Right. And I know how good Lamar Jackson looked last week. Like Lamar Jackson played a damn near perfect football game. And it wasn't like, the electrifying plays that go viral, which we're used to with Lamar, it was touch passes at the right spots in the right moment, making plays in the moments he needed to make them. I'm I'm continuing to be high on this Ravens team. And I know I said that in our, our, our full season preview, like before we kind of got into it, um, before we got into the season, like before week one. I think actually with my record predictions, I have them as the number one seed in the East. All right, in the AFC. Um, but basically to me, like this eight points, I think it's I think it's coverable if Anthony Richardson plays without Anthony Richardson. Um, their center Ryan Kelly's questionable, Quentin Nelson's questionable, one of their starting quarterbacks is questionable. Um, meanwhile, on the opposite side, Marcus Williams for uh Marcus Williams, Darius uh, Washington, he's on IR. Uh Odell questionable. Marlon Humphrey, questionable. So the two most important people in the back end of that secondary are out. I still, even though it's a lot of points, I, I don't love it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Ravens here. I think the Ravens minus eight uh, at home. I, I, I think they've just become quietly one of the best teams in the NFL. And I said this with Scotty on Monday night. If, <laughs> if the Ravens get to like week six and they're six and oh, they are going to start being talked about, but I don't think they're going to be talked about until then. So from a betting standpoint, I think they're a really good team to kind of hold on to. Uh, If Anthony Richardson plays, could I see them backdoor cover situation like that? Absolutely. But I think this offense, even without JK Dobbins, even without Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers is incredible. I really like the Ravens here. Minus eight. All right. Titans at Browns. This is interesting. The Browns looked like shit on Monday night and we haven't gotten a chance to talk about the Nick Chubb injury, which is devastating. Um, we always it's it's like every year there's an injury like that in the NFL. Um, and Nick Chubb's like one of the most like universally liked and appreciated guys in the NFL. Like you don't see a lot of guys like that. He is. He is one of those guys. The Browns, though, Deshaun Watson looks bad. Right. There's decent wide receiver help there. I mean, Amari Cooper's good, but he's still he's not like prime Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples-Jones is decent in Joku. You never really know what you're going to get with him. The offensive line's banged up. The minus three and a half for them seems high. And I know that defense and the edge rushers there 
are really good, but the defense is starting to get a little banged up here. I, I think this is going to be a very, very low scoring game. I can confidently say that. I think both of these defenses are going to come out and and really punch each other in the mouth. I think Tannehill and Deshaun Watson are both going to struggle mightily. Right now, that over-under is at 39 and a half, and I know that's low, and I would still take the under. I, I absolutely would. I don't like that it's three and a half. If it was Cleveland minus three, I'd be more inclined to take Cleveland, but I, I do feel like this is going to come down to a field goal. But we said it, you know, Scotty said it on Monday, right? It's death taxes and the, the Titans covering as three and a half point underdogs. So with that being said, they've done it twice already this year. I'm going to take Tennessee. I liked a lot of what I saw a lot of, out of that offense in week two. Now, I, granted, it's like they were playing the stiffest competition in the world, but I really liked what I saw. I thought as, as a whole, um, I'm trying to remember, you know, the, the Chargers offense is a lot better than the Browns offense. And the defense played lights out. Like, I don't really see a world where the Cleveland Browns are moving the football in this game a whole lot. That being said, I think the Chargers defense is nowhere near as good as the Browns defense. And so for as good as the Titans offense looked against the Chargers last week, I I think they're going to struggle a little bit here. I think if there's one way you can kind of attack this Browns defense, it's through the running game. Uh, they have really athletic, good linebackers, Joe, Jeremiah, Wusu, Koromoa, um, fly, you know, guys who are really good in coverage who can step up and, and play the run. But I think if you're, if you're Tennessee, you got to rely on that run game, work your play action off of it. But I like what I saw to Traylon Burks. I like what I saw out of DeAndre Hopkins. I, I, I don't hate this offense. Um, Westbrook Akine has consistently been now for, I think this is his third or fourth season, just a really nice, reliable number two, number three wide receiver. They have some guys. I'm going to take Tennessee plus the three and a half. Uh, you're getting the hook. And frankly, like, it's just what it's just what they do. It's just what the Tennessee Titans do. So give me the Titans plus three and a half. Uh, next up, Broncos, Dolphins. This, game, this line surprises me. The Dolphins are only six and a half point favorites. Now, like, typically when you see shocking lines like that, like based off of what we've seen out of the Dolphins through two weeks, you would expect the Dolphins to be like eight or nine point favorites in this game, but six and a half is low, which kind of makes me feel like, all right, well, what does Vegas know that we don't? Or was that line too high and people were just betting it down? Um, I'm taking Miami here. I, I, I don't believe in Russell Wilson at all. I, I know he, like, if you take out the Hail Mary, he's, he's turning into like, basically the same stat lines as like Desmond Ritter and, you know, that kind of middle to bottom tier class of quarterbacks. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to win a few games from doing that. But if you take out the Hail Mary at the end, like what he did for the rest of that, that football game, it wasn't good. And I, I said it to start the year and veto understandably as a Broncos fan, wanted to be optimistic to start off the year, but I thought this defense was going to take a step back and it has, I mean, it's not like the commander's offense is some like lights out offense. Like Sam Howell is still learning. He's still making mistakes and they were still able to hang. Uh, what was it? Like 36 points, 35 points on to a Broncos team that, that has talent. But if you have really good wide receivers and I love Pat Sertan, he was getting cooked by Terry McLaurin. 
There were multiple holding calls, multiple pass interference calls. He got straight up beat a couple of times. Um, and Howell's made, made you know a couple of big-time throws. Tua's played like the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm pretty sure right now he's the odds-on favorite to win MVP. In addition to that, I don't think the Broncos are particularly good stopping the run. We saw a few times in that Washington game, Brian Robinson uh, breaking breaking tackles, getting to the second level. You know, Alex Singleton flies around the field and puts his head into you. You know, like I watched him for a few years in Philly, but he's not like – he's really like a pretty mid – he's a mid-linebacker. He's not great. He's athletic. He's small. Um, and he'll, he'll hit you. He'll fly around the field but he's also going to get burnt. And if you get offensive lineman to that second level into Alex Singleton's chest, there's nothing he can do. So I'm taking Miami here. I, to me, I think this line is way too low, which uh, again, tells me that Vegas knows something that I don't. Um, but Vic Fangio going up against his old team. I, I think Miami is going to, to win this game comfortably. Uh, Pats versus the jets. The jets are two and a half point underdogs. Um, this is an ugly game. Like this game probably would have been really fun with Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean like every Jets game would have been really fun with Aaron Rodgers. But the Pats I just their defense is really good and Zach Wilson's really bad and I just don't know how the Jets are going to score points in this game. Like the only way the Jets scored last weekend was when Garrett Wilson broke off a massive touchdown catch and run right like that's at this point that's pretty much the only way we're gonna see the Jets score points is if Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson just makes like absolute ridiculously sick plays and I don't think like I think this Pats defense is gonna be a top five defense in the NFL I really do what they did against the Eagles and then Miami in back-to-back weeks is really freaking impressive to me, two and a half seems kind of low. Mac Jones hasn't looked good, but he hasn't been awful. Like I, he's better than Zach Wilson. Like he's he's, I think he's at least better than like that Desmond Ritter category I was just talking about. I think he's not that far away from like where Russ is, um, which is saying something obviously because it's not like Mac Jones has been particularly good. But I don't know. I, to me, the the Pats defense is going to carry the way in this game. I don't know how the Jets score points. It's going to be tough. I think another one hammer the under in this game. Um, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, under 30 overruns is at 36. Uh, still would take the under. Still would take the under in this game. But I am going to take the Pats plus two and a half uh, on the road in New York. They've owned that place, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Bills and the Commanders. This game is in Washington. The Commies. Six-point underdogs at home. The story of the Buffalo Bills over the last couple of years has been, which version are we going to get? Are we going to get the high-flying Josh Allen thrown for a million yards? Like, Josh Allen played, like, a perfect football game last week. Like, an absolutely perfect football game. And they dominated. The commies may be a little overvalued. You know, they beat Arizona barely. They beat the Broncos barely. If you were to rank all the 2-0 teams in the NFL right now, I would say they're probably towards the bottom. And I know Commanders fans who listen to this podcast are not going to be happy with me saying that, but it's just the truth. Um, it's not to say that their defense isn't really good. Like, the defensive line is really, really good. I think they're going to have a really good shot going up against the Bills' offensive line to, to generate some pressure. I mean, they're going to have a good shot against any offensive line 
generating pressure. If you are the commanders, like you want to make this game ugly, right? Like you, you want to get in the face of, uh, of Josh Allen. You want to force him to be uncomfortable, to feel like he has to be Superman. And one of the ways you can do that is by jacking up the pressure. Like the moments we see Josh Allen, you know, turn into the, like, I'm doing too much kind of quarterback that he's been known to do sometimes is when he's, is when he's getting a lot of pressure in his face, right? If there's really good coverage downfield and he's not getting pressure, like Josh Allen's going to tuck it and run, or he's going to check it down. He's going to make a good decision. But when you throw pressure in his face and he starts kind of getting like the quarterback zoomies where he's like happy feet running around, that's when you can, you can, you know, force Josh Allen into struggling, uh, which we saw again against, you know, the, the jets and, to me, like I don't think the commander's defense is as good as the Jets' defense, but I think their defensive line is as good. So six points feels about right, but it's boom or bust. It's boom or bust. Uh, I, I heard a stat uh, when I was doing some research that out of Josh Allen's like 57 career wins, over 40 of them have been by seven or more points. Which is or, uh, over, yeah, sorry, over 40 of them have been seven or more points, yeah, which is just an absurd statistic, like a, a genuinely absurd statistic. Uh, it's it's the epitome of, of boomer bust. He, 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 he either, when he wins, he wins big. And when they don't win big, it's a loss most of the time. Um, those, those one score, seven point or less games just don't really happen a lot. Uh, since Josh Allen's been with the Buffalo Bills. And that's – that's, I want to take the Commanders plus six here because I want to think that, you know, they're going to be able to heat up Josh Allen. They're going to get him moving. They're going to make him uncomfortable. But that's that's a tough – it's a tough sell because I just don't know if the Commanders have enough talent across the board. And on the other side of it too, like Commander's offensive line has been decent, but we've seen the Cardinals get after him and we've seen the Broncos get after him defensively. And credits to the commanders for like making big plays when they've needed to, but sustainability wise, you're going up against a really good defensive line who hasn't been generating a ton of pressure so far this year, but we know that they have plenty of talent, uh, a pretty solid secondary, but you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take the commies plus six. I don't like it. I kind of want to hold my nose as I do it, but I've kind of talked myself into it. I still think, because now I'm going to say the thing that never happens, which I still think the Bills win, but they just don't cover six, which, again, has only happened in like 15 games in Josh Allen's career. But I'm going to take I'm going to take the commies, but I'm going to take the Bills to win straight up. Uh, Falcons Lions. This is a fun game um, for me at least because I'm a sicko. I like the Lions are really banged up. Uh, C.J. Garner Johnson significant injury. I think he has a strained peck or torn peck. Um, I'm not sure if his season is over yet. Uh, we thought his season might be over earlier in the season, and it wasn't. So um, Jared Goff as a whole has looked really good this year. Atlanta's defense has been really good, but this is definitely going to be the biggest test offensively for the Falcons. The Falcons are 2-0. They might actually be the worst 2-0 team as well. So, uh, But the Panthers' offense obviously wasn't great. The Packers' offense, which I think was overrated after week one, they held them to 24 points. This is going to be the first offensive test, right? And they have to go to Detroit. They're playing on a fast field. Amon Ra looks healthy um, and is expected to play. 
CJ, yeah, see, CJ Garner Johnson got added to the IR. Um, Josh Reynolds has been really good. David Montgomery's questionable in this game. If he's banged up, that obviously takes them back a little bit. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, they need all the help in that secondary they can get, especially if CJ Garner Johnson is on IR. Um, but look, this line team averaging 288 passing yards a game and over 100 on the ground. The, <laughs> the craziness that is the Falcons. 176 passing per game, 170 on the ground. Uh, the, I will say this, though. Like, again, defensively, the Falcons have looked like the better team. But I don't know how much stock to put into that Green Bay game because I didn't think Green Bay was as good as they looked in week one against the Bears. I think the Bears may also be the worst team in the NFL, or at least could be up there as one of the worst teams in the NFL. So I don't know necessarily what to make of that win against Green Bay without Aaron Jones, who was clearly a really important part of that that game plan when they played Chicago in week one. And then they go into that game against Atlanta and frankly, Jordan Love and the Packers still should have won the game if it wasn't for a couple of small mistakes. Atlanta did the right thing, right? Like they, they held on to a game that they had a chance to win and they deserve credit for that. I have a hard time thinking that going up against what I think is a really, really dynamic offense, even if they do have some injuries and they are a little banged up. You know, the offensive line for Detroit is still really, really good. I haven't heard a status update on Big V yet. He's not listed on the injury report, which hopefully is a good thing for the Detroit Lions. Uh, if Big V is out, you know, that's another knock off this, you know, Detroit offense. Um, I got to pull up like the league-wide uh, injury report here. Um, yeah, he's listed as questionable right now. Um, but at the same time, uh, he was close to being put on IR on Monday. So questionable, probably not likely that Big V plays in this game. I'm going to take Detroit. I think I still believe that Detroit is one of the best teams in the league. And I, I really like Fal the Falcons. Like I was high on the Falcons. I'm going to continue to be high on the Falcons, but I really like this Detroit team. I do. I, I believe in them offensively. I believe in the, the dynamic uh, players. I believe in Jared Goff. This Lions team, look, last week, obviously that game, not what you want if you're a Lions fan. Um, that's a game that you, you, you should have won. But I also think Seattle's pretty good too. And I think both Seattle, Detroit are better than Atlanta. I expect Detroit to win this game. Three-point favorites at home. I like that number. I'm going to take the commanders. All right, next up. We have the Saints at the Packers. The Packers are one and a half point favorites here, getting a little bit of juice. I don't think the Saints are a good football team. <laughs> All right. I know that I know that they held on to win week one against Tennessee. There have been years where Tennessee loses inexplicable games that they just don't it's like for as good of a coach as Mike Vrabel is. And I was talking about the plus three and a half and all that stuff earlier. I get I still don't think the Saints are a great team. And the, and the Titans, like, they have losses like that. They did it to New York. Was it last year, two years ago? Like, they just have these weird losses sometimes. Early week one, I'm not putting too much stock in that. And then the Saints barely hold on to beat the Panthers. I don't know. I I, I know the Saints are 2-0. I think the Falcons are a better team. Um and we're going to see Atlanta obviously beat the Packers, held on by a little bit. Can the Saints do the same thing? I know this game's in Green Bay. 
I like the Packers. I like the Packers as, as, as a good comeback week. I've liked what I've seen out of Jordan Love. The offensive line is playing really, really well. They have to get the running game going. I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be playing in this game. Uh, I, I don't think they've said quite how long he's going to be out. Um, but Jordan Love has played really, really well. I'm a believer in that. A.J. Dillon, um, I'm looking for you. Aaron Jones is questionable, so there's a chance. We still haven't seen Christian Watson, in which I think will make a big difference. I've been most impressed with the defense of Green Bay, uh, honestly, of what I expected. I expected the offense to kind of look like this. I was expecting moments to see where Jordan Love flashed and looked really good and moments where he struggled, and that's so far what we've, what we've seen through two games. Their defense, though, is what has surprised me. Their defense is really good. I, I think this Saints offense is very mediocre. Um, I know Derek Carr, is it's an improvement over what they've had in the past, and I know they're going to bring out Taysom Hill and they're going to do their dumb Wildcat shit. But I like it. It's a one-and-a-half-point game. I think this game probably comes down to a field goal. Um, if I was setting a line for this, I probably would have set it at Packers minus two-and-a-half, minus three. But you're getting – so for me at least, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of extra points than what, like, my system, or which is just my dumb brain, tells me. So I'm going to take the Packers here, minus one-and-a-half. Um, yeah, I like that one. All right, we're going to roll through these next ones. Texans, Jags, minus eight-and-a-half. This game's in Jacksonville. The Jags are eight and a half point favorites. <sighs> this is a tough one because I've I've been impressed with what I saw out of CJ Stroud, and I was really disappointed in what I saw out of the Jags last week in a game where I really felt like they should have beaten Kansas City there, and they didn't. But the Jags defense is really good. I out of out of the teams that the Texans have played so far, and it's you know, we're not sitting here talking about the Texans like playing world beaters, right? I mean, through two games. They lost to the Ravens, who are good, but that game was ugly and weird. And then the Colts. I feel like Jacksonville should be able to put up a million points in this game, and it should be over pretty quickly. But it is a, you know, divisional game. I'm going to take Jacksonville minus eight and a half. It's a lot of points, but I also think having watched, you know, Doug Peterson-led team for, you know, four or five years, like – I know when you have an ugly game like that, how Doug Peterson teams respond. And even though like I do like Houston and I've really liked what I've seen out of CJ Stroud, I think he's been the best rookie quarterback. Um, and I, I actually don't hate what we've seen from the defense. They're just at a talent disadvantage that is significant. Um, I, I do feel like Jacksonville is going to bounce back in this game and, uh, and is, is going to win this game pretty comfortably. So I'm going to take the Jacks minus eight and a half. Chargers Vikings, um, Spider-Man meme game. Like we're pointing at each other. We're the exact same. That's it's what that's what it's what we are. One of these two teams has to win, or it's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be a tie. The Vikings are one point favorite at home. I still have seen some flashes like in that, that game on Thursday night with Minnesota. I really impressed with what Brian Flores has done. Like I was listening to a a, a guy who's a, a you know, one of those film breakdown guys. Um and he was talking about the Eagles and the Eagles and, and Vikings game from last week. And Brian Flores is coming up with all these exotic defenses and coverages and, and getting really, really creative. I think they're going to be able to do the same thing here. I've just been concerned with what this Chargers offense is, right? And obviously no Austin Eckler in week two was a massive disadvantage. Um, this game should be pretty fun. Like I, 
What's crazy is Kirk Cousins through two games is 708 passing yards already. Like Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball still really, really well on paper, right? But they're 0-2. They haven't looked great as a whole. Um, I think if Austin Eckler plays in this game, I'm taking the Chargers. I think if Austin Eckler doesn't play in this game, I'm taking the Vikings. I really think it comes down to that because the Chargers offense with Austin Eckler looked significantly different from week one to week two when he was not in. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to play. It's probably going to be a game time decision. What I will tell you is I hope that none of you bet on this game, because if you are betting on this game, you need help. Um, There's all those 1-800 gambler numbers out there. You probably need to call one of them because this is not a game to put money on because neither of these teams are consistent. They are the exact same team in different conferences the only difference is Justin Herbert is a lot better, but the Chargers also don't have anybody as good as Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is going to have probably 200 yards in this game. And then on the other side of the ball, I think Justin Herbert's going to throw for a lot. And if and this is an if, but we saw the Eagles expose the fact that you can run on this Minnesota defense. If Austin Eckler's in and that running game gets going like it did week one against the Dolphins for the Chargers, I like the Chargers. So I'm going to say – the Los Angeles Chargers, but don't bet on this game. Just stay away. Just stay away. All right, Panthers at Seattle. Um, Bryce Young is small. He is, and we knew he was small, but it's it's jarring how small he is when you see him on, on an NFL field. The, the spacing, the comfortability, his ability to escape pressure that he was so good at in college, he's really struggling on the NFL level, he, and he's got to learn, right? And there've been some throws and some moments where I'm like, all right, all right, Bryce Young, I see you, I see you. But how long is he going to be able to just sit in the pocket and deliver a ball and get destroyed by somebody who's outweighing him by over a hundred pounds, you know, in some cases like 150 pounds, if it's an interior defensive lineman, that is a really, really tall, tall task. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> I will say, however, that awesome defensive coordinator for the uh, Broncos, who I always fuck up his um, pronunciation of his name. I think it's Arias. A lot. Yeah, it's, it's something, something like that. He is now the defense coordinator for the Panthers. I've been really impressed with the Panthers defense, which is one of the things I said going into the season was like, I expect the Panthers defense to be good. And they are pretty good. And Seattle right now is a six point favorite at home. You would think against a team like Carolina, like that line should be a lot higher, but I actually think that's a perfect line because I think the Panthers defense is, is good is like legitimately good. They're going to be put in impossible situations because the offense is going to hold them back and that's going to be a bummer. And that's going to eventually force, you know, defensive play. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it starts to leak out over the start, the course of the season. Um, I like Seattle minus six. I think Gino looked really, really good last week. It felt like a get-right game. Kenneth Walker's been really good so to start off the season. Um, Charles Cross, hopefully being back, like that's a big that's a big win, even though they lost Abraham Lucas for the season, which is obviously devastating. Um, they have depth along the offensive line. And I think the Seattle defense is so good in the secondary. I think Bryce Young's going to be seeing ghosts. I really do. 
Um, Boya Mafe has become a really, really good edge rusher. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to continue to think more of the same. I think this is the best team that the Panthers have played so far this season. I love Seattle minus six um, in this uh, in this game. So we're going with the Seahawks minus six at home. Cowboys, Cardinals, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. The Cardinals are 12.5-point underdogs at home to the Cowboys. Josh Dobbs did some stuff that impressed me. I also don't think the Cowboys are that good as a whole. Um, Trayvon Diggs, it was announced – Today, Torres ACL at practice, he's done for the year. Uh, that's a huge blow to a really, really good defense. But even without Trayvon Diggs, I still think that Cowboys defense is going to be really, really good. 12 and a half is a lot of points. And I'm toying with the idea of the Cardinals coming in, backdoor cover, you know, Josh Dobbs throwing up some crazy shit, Marquise Brown or, or Rondell Moore, somebody breaking off a, a deep ball and, and, and scoring last minute. Um, 12 and a half is just, it's a lot for the Cowboys to cover. But if the Cowboys keep looking as good as they did, you know, before, like I, I wasn't super blown away with how they looked against the Jets. I was blown away with how good they looked against the, the Cowboys, or sorry, against the Giants week one. They looked good against the Jets. You know, Dak looked good. You know, it was definitely the better version of Dak than what we've seen sometimes. Um, I would expect them. To, to, to do well here. But look, what we also have seen is Arizona is frisky, but a bad team can start off the season frisky and quickly, uh, you know, when they realize, oh, we're 0-2 and we have Josh Dobbs, our starting quarterback. Yeah, maybe maybe things aren't going great for us. Um, Jonathan Gannon has struggled in his career against Dak Prescott. I'm going to say that sticks the same. It's a big number, but I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 12. Um, it's Again, it's, it's, it's a big number. It's a big number, but uh, 12 and a half uh, on the road. Same line for the next game, Bears and Chiefs. The Chiefs needed like just a flat-out get-right game, right? They looked discombobulated week one against the Lions. They dropped that game. They didn't look good against Jacksonville. This is also kind of the Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo thing, like what they've been doing in, in Kansas City for the last few years, which is that it's going to take a little time to develop. Right. It's like that whole concept of tapering, like they want to be playing their best football come December, January, February. Right. That's for Kansas City. Like that's their goal. So if they get ugly wins now, they're kind of tapering their way up and they got to figure out who they are. They got to figure out what is our strength as a football team. And that's what Belichick always said for years with those New England teams. Like by November, you kind of have to know who you are. Like, you know, if you have it or you don't by November. And at this point, I'm not too worried. This is a perfect get-right game. The Bears' defense has been terrible. Justin Fields has been terrible. Their defensive coordinator just stepped away because of an apparent FBI raid. I don't know all the details on that, but uh, he resigned this week. So you have a new defensive coordinator in there. Justin Fields is blaming the coaches, but then goes up on the podium and says, well, no, my, my words were taken out of context. I don't know what to believe. I know the Bears are a shit show. Uh, so Kansas City, 12 and a half. This is the get right game. This is the game where Travis Kelsey, you know, catches, you know, 15 balls for 160 yards and two touchdowns and Sky Moore breaks out or one of these wide receivers breaks out and has a day uh, and, and, and the Chiefs run away with it easily. Uh, and their defense looks really good with Chris Jones back too. I mean, he's just a monster when he's playing. He's such a difference maker. Uh, Sunday night game, Steelers at Raiders. This is an interesting one for me. The Raiders are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. 
I haven't been, I, I've been like for what my expectations were for the Raiders coming in, which was frisky because like, I feel like I've kind of nailed that through a couple of weeks where I've been like, Jimmy G, what does that guy do? He wins football games, right? They go out in week one, they win an ugly football game against the Broncos. They figure out a way to get it done. That's what they do. They go up, they, they're up early against Buffalo and then Buffalo just outtowns them. Right. And just completely blows them away in the rest of that game. This talent wise is not a huge gap, right? I think Pittsburgh's more talented, but Kenny Pickett's been struggling. Uh, Matt Canada is one of the worst offensive coordinators in I've ever seen. And the fact that he is still in Pittsburgh is mind blowing. Like I love Mike Tomlin. Shout out to you for being loyal to your guys, but dude, like he is costing you opportunities. You have to get rid of Matt Canada. That being said, I I still want to believe in this Pittsburgh team. Like George Pickens is really good, but Pittsburgh won that game on Monday night without a single offensive snap within the 25 yard line. That's insane. Two defensive touchdowns are not going to happen every week. The Raiders, despite not being super talented, I can't believe I'm going to say this about Josh McDaniels team. They've looked pretty well coached through two weeks, especially in that game. Like, Josh McDaniels kind of outcoached Sean Payton in week one, which is crazy. I don't like saying that. It physically hurts me to say. But I, I, I think it's kind of true. So I'm looking at this game, Raiders minus two and a half. I've been impressed. It feels like it's a weird Raiders win on a last-second field goal or big play but that's also what Pittsburgh was doing. So I'm really split on this game. I actually think it's a sneaky, really fun Sunday night football game. So I'm going to take the Steelers as two and a half point underdogs. I don't like the line. I would have rather been up to like three and a half and I'd feel a little bit better. I think the Steelers are the better football team across the board. They just, they need to get the offense working. Um, and you're seeing more Jalen Warren touches out of the backfield, which Najee, uh, for as amazing as he was in college, um, and even his rookie year, it, it's just wild how much like he just doesn't look like the same guy. I uh, know injuries have been a problem for him in the past, but yikes. I'm taking the Steelers. All right, up next, Eagles at Bucks. Monday night game. We have two Monday night games here. The Bucks are five-point underdogs at home. Baker has looked good, um, and, and and the Bucks as a whole have looked pretty good. But also, I don't know how much of that is situational stuff. Like, don't worry, like Baker's doing the things he, he needs to do, right? They have the, the win against Minnesota week one. Um, he's throwing balls where they need to be thrown. He's, he's making plays where they need to be made. But uh, I, I look – I'm, I'm trying to pull up some of their stats here from the season. In terms of a 2-0 team, like, I know their defense is really fast and aggressive. They beat the shit out of the Bears. The Bears are terrible. The Vikings game was close. Again, Baker made the plays he needed to make. I don't think the Vikings or Bears defense are even remotely close to how good the Eagles defense is. I think that's going to be a major problem for him. Uh I think this offensive line is pretty bad for Tampa Bay. 
And I think it's going to be a lot of Bakers getting flushed out of the pocket. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against the Eagles. Now the Eagles secondary, like don't get me wrong, the Eagles are banged up, right? They have injuries across the board. Avante Maddox done for the year. Um, Zach Cunningham's injured. James Bradbury coming out of concussion protocol. Uh, Terrell Edmonds. I mean, you can just go down the list. Like there's just injuries across the board. But there's also injuries already for key players for Tampa Bay. Ryan Neal, Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, Kalijah Kantz, uh, Kansi, the rookie out of Pitt. All those guys are questionable. I think the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball pretty well, obviously against Levante David and Devin White. That's a tall task, but I think they'll be able to do that. And I also feel like this is the get-right game for Jalen Hurts and the offensive attack through the air, right? A.J. Brown's due for a huge game. Dallas Goddard's due for a big game. Devontae's obviously started off as the Eagles' best wide receiver. Um, but we need to see I, – I, I need to see this Eagles offense push the ball through the air and Todd Bowles is going to style up a lot of blitzes and they're going to get home a few times, but the Eagles offensive line needs to step up. They need to establish the run early. Like it's crazy to say this because it's like every Philadelphia fans like wet dream is like establish the run early, then work the play action. Like every guy you go to a bar or two and talk birds football with in Philly, like they've been saying that exact thing for years. None of this green crap that Andy Reid wants to run or this chip Kelly stuff just run the damn ball and work play action. You know, it's like, it's just, the, it's so perfect because that's like kind of exactly what the Eagles need to be doing consistently when they're playing really, really aggressive and talented defenses. Like no one's going to be able to stop the run against this Eagles team when it's humming. Nobody, not, there's not a single defense that can stop the Eagles run game, but the Eagles also become a lot less dangerous if they can't throw the ball on top of that. So they can't be stuck on this ground and pound forever and, and win games that way, because while it may work, it's not sustainable. And I think the Eagles are going to win this game. I think they're going to look really good. I think this is the game where it starts to click because I think Tampa Bay, as you know, they started off well, right? But I think they beat two pretty bad teams. Um, I think there's a chance that if after, after Sunday, we'll look at the two teams that Tampa Bay has beaten this year in Minnesota and Chicago, and both of them will be 0-3. And not to take anything away from Baker and, and Todd Bowles and like what they've done there, because it's been an impressive start for what their expectations were going into the season. I still don't think Tampa Bay is that good. And I think five, five point favorites on the road is a pretty solid line. It's also in that Vegas zone where they're like, I don't really know what to do with this. So we're going to put it at five. I like Philly plus the, plus the five. Um, Sorry, Philly minus the five. I, I think the Eagles are just top to bottom the better team. I think Jalen is is in desperate need of a bounce back game, and I think they're going to get it here on Monday night against Tampa Bay. And that brings us to our final game of the week, the second Monday night game: Rams Bengals. The Bengals are three point favorite in this game, and Joe Burrow's not practicing right now. I picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl this year. All right, so I have obviously some level of vested interest. I'm also a huge Joe Burrow fan. Cincinnati, they need this. They need this win, right? And the Rams could have beaten San Francisco week two. They obviously looked great week one. The Rams sitting there at one and one right now as probably the biggest shocker in the NFL. Them in Tampa Bay, I, I would put at the top in terms of like teams we thought were going to be really bad, but they're like, oh, actually, this team's kind of frisky. Matthew Stafford's looked really, really good. 
the one thing I can, you know, say about the Bengals is I feel like the Bengals defensively have been pretty solid this year. The offense has just been really, really bad. And I think they're going to be able to move the ball against this Rams defense, even with a banged up Joe Burrow. Minus three. Like, I really want to take the Rams, but there's a desperation. And it's crazy to say that because it's week three. But this is like a, a must-win game for Cincinnati. Like you can't start off 0-3 and expect to to rattle off 14 straight wins and get the one seed. Like, getting the one seed in the AFC is so important, and they haven't even hit the meat and potatoes of their schedule yet. Like, this is a game that Cincinnati has to win. So, I'm all in on Cincinnati in this game. I think it's, you know, it's always cliche. Who wants it more? Both teams fucking want it. It's never that simple. Um, Both teams want it. But, yeah, I, I... Cincinnati kind of might need to want it more in this game. You know, like there's no, it's like when a team's up, you know, 2-0 or 3-0 in in a series in the NBA, right? It's just human nature. If you're up 2-0 in a series, you're not going to play with the same level of like life or death urgency that you would if you were down 0-2 or down 0-3. And I think we're going to see again, the Bengals, they're going to feel that Joe Burrow, needs a get right game he's too good and has been too good throughout his career to play this bad for three straight games to start off the season so i'm going to take the Bengals minus three uh as my official pick and my locks my locks for this game uh, for this week my three locks i am going to be taking drum roll please the detroit lions minus three at home against the falcons i'm going to be taking the Jacksonville Jaguars minus eight and a half. So I'm trying to build up some suspense there. I like, you know, when it's just me, I got to do something, try to make it a little different. The Jags minus eight and a half. And I'm going to be taking the drum roll Seattle Seahawks minus six against the Panthers at home. Uh, I like all of them. Look, it's three home favorites, but no, all those lines to me make sense. I flirted with the idea of the Packers flirted with the idea of the Pats minus two and a half on the road against the Jets. Uh, also flirted with the idea. Actually, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change before I officially switch here. I'm going to put the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins minus six and a half instead of the Jags. And I think the Dolphins are going to be like my ride or die team against the spread this year. Um, this line makes no sense in the world, and it's probably a trap game. And there's something that Vegas knows that I don't know. I don't know. But I'm taking the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins minus six and a half. Two has been unbelievable. That offense, the wide receivers, unbelievable. I know there's Pat Sertan out there, but Jalen Waddle's going to have a huge day, if not Tyreek Hill. It's a touchdown, right? 24 17. Like, I could 100% see that. I actually like that it's six and a half because I, I just a straight up touchdown wins you the game or wins you the bet. So there it is. Dolphins minus six and a half, Lions minus three. Panthers minus uh, or Seahawks minus six. All right. And quickly, I'm going to run through five games and make my picks in college for this weekend. Of course, we have some headlining type games. Um, We're going to start with Vito and Scotty's alma mater, Penn State hosting Iowa. Penn State's a 14 and a half point favorite in this game. 
Iowa's offense is terrible. Penn State's really good. Drew Alar's really good. I know that the Iowa's defense is known for being really, really good. That's kind of the Kirk Ferentz calling card, right? Make it ugly. The 14 and a half is a pretty big number. And this feels like a game where everyone looks at it like, well, Penn State has looked awesome this year. Drew Alar has been unbelievable this year. Like, why would we not take Penn State minus 14 and a half, especially with the struggles with Iowa? And that's why I'm actually going to take Iowa plus 14 and a half. I still think that Penn State wins the game. But Iowa plus 14 and a half, I mean, that's that's a big number. And in college football, you always have these things. You have these moments where it's like, where did this come from? Like, Iowa hasn't looked that good. Penn State's looked great. And all of a sudden, we're tied, you know, 10 to 10 in the third quarter because it's Big Ten football. Jewelar is not going to have this, like, perfect, unbelievable season. Like, there's going to be some challenges. I still think he's an unbelievable quarterback. I think he's the best Penn State quarterback I've seen. Um, so, I'm going to take Iowa plus 14 and a half. I'm still taking Penn State to win the game, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. Oregon State and Washington State, two Pac-12 teams in the top 25, number 14, Oregon State at Washington State. I love this Oregon State team. I really do. I think they are the – everyone's talking about Colorado and Oregon and and USC. I think Oregon State can beat any of them. I I really think there's like – there's a chance that at the end of this season, we could see Oregon State in the college football playoff. It's outside chance because the Pac-12 is probably going to cannibalize itself. But DJ Uyunglele finally looks like the guy we thought he was going to look like at Clemson. And after seeing what Clemson looks like this year and how good he's looked like leaving that team, it makes you wonder, like, what's going on at Clemson that this is becoming a trend? But Oregon State right now in that game is a three-point favorite on the road. I love the Beavers here. So give me Oregon State three what is it minus minus three and a half or minus three? Minus three. So you think Oregon State minus three against Washington State. Uh, up next, we have the game I, I alluded to earlier is what I think is probably the most fun game of the season of uh, so far, at least one of the most fun games. Ole Miss and Alabama. Alabama is a six and a half point favorite. They're continuing to start uh, their quarterback, uh, uh, Jalen Milrose, I think his name is. Um, I should know this. (laughs) Uh, Jaden Milrow. Um, But Jackson Dart has been electric. Um, Jaden Milrow has not. Um, I would expect to see Alabama try to come out here and run. Uh, Ole Miss is not really a running program, uh, not with Lane Kiffin. But the secondary, there's multiple true freshmen starting in the secondary for Alabama. And look, it's still Alabama. It's still saving. But six and a half points after how, frankly, bad Alabama's looked through the first three weeks, right? And I'm not sitting here saying, like, the saving arrow's over and Bama's coming down to a halt. I think that's way too dramatic to be saying. But I really like Ole Miss. And I think Ole Miss winning this game, like, there hasn't been a team other than, like, Alabama – LSU that has won the SEC West in a long time. Uh, You got to go back to, there was an Auburn year probably in like a couple, was it, was it the Cam Newton year? I think they had one other year after that where uh, Auburn won the SEC West, but it doesn't happen often. Uh, Ole Miss winning the SEC West would, would be a shocker. So I'm rolling with Lane Kiffin. All right. Underdogs. I know this game's in Tuscaloosa. But 
we saw Texas go into that place and do it. And I know for a fact that Lane Kiffin wants, had, wants to beat Nick Saban and hang that pelt up on his wall because, I mean, who doesn't, right? Um, all right, Colorado, Oregon. Oregon is a 21-point favorite here. I love Colorado. I do. I love the story. I love everything about it. I think Oregon's going to absolutely bully them in this game against the Colorado defense. Um, it's important to know, too, I don't think Travis Hunter is playing in this game, which is a real shame um, because he's one of the best players in the country. Shador Sanders, through three games, has almost 1,300 passing yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, it's, it's fucking insane. I actually think, however, I think Colorado is going to be okay on offense. Like, I don't, I know Oregon's defense is really good, but I think Colorado is actually going to be okay on offense. So I'm going to take Colorado plus 21, but I still think Oregon's going to win by two touchdowns. But plus 21, I know Oregon has looked really, really good. That is a big line. And there's going to be a lot of people like me who are going to take Colorado plus 21 here. Shador Sanders has just been so good. And even without Travis Hunter, that wide receiver room in Colorado is really, really impressive. I think the offensive line's actually been pretty good for Colorado. And they just need to be able to hold up and let Shador Sanders get the ball out, right? Because if he does, I think they're going to be able to attack the, the secondary. And I think they're going to be able to put up some points. But I think Oregon is going to ultimately – the, the smash mouth football side of Oregon is going to hold out in this game. Um, and there's a chance it could be demoralizing, right? And they could hold on the ball and just ram it down Colorado's throw over and over again. But I, I think Colorado is going to put up a fight because again, as we've said before, if there's one person in this world, not to doubt it's fucking Deion Sanders. And lastly, the biggest game I think of the weekend, Ohio state at Notre Dame, Ohio state's a three point favorite on the road here. I've been impressed with what I've seen out of Notre Dame, and I have not been super impressed with what I've seen out of Ohio State. I know on paper Ohio State should destroy in this game, but McCord, their quarterback, has been kind of mediocre to start off the season, whereas Sam Hartman has looked lights out. Um, Defensively, I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of Notre Dame. Ohio State, it's been fine. It's been fine. I'm going to take the fighting Irish here as a home dog, home dog in college, Notre Dame plus three. I mean, that's uh, this game should be great. This is a to quote Lane Kiffin, get your popcorn ready type of game. So uh, to recap, Iowa plus 14 and a half, Oregon State minus three, Ole Miss plus six and a half, Colorado plus 21, Notre Dame plus three. Those are the picks. That's the pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. Again, slightly weird, different schedule next week, but we're going to figure it out as we get there. Um, Shout out to the boys out in uh, Europe right now. I think Vito's watching the World Rugby Championships. And then we also got the Ryder Cup coming up uh, this weekend uh, or the following weekend, I believe. So uh, get ready for that. Tons of fun stuff going on. Um, Enjoy the weekend. Have a good time. Stay safe. All that good stuff. We will talk to you guys next week. And as always... Take it easy, everyone.